Welcome to Games Booze and the Art of the Honey Badger. I'm Josh Koopman. With me as always is Ty Tepfer. Thanks for listening to us on the BOD Network. For more, check us out at basementofdeath.com or follow us on Twitter at Basement of Death. And if you like what you hear, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. This is episode 36. This week we have the Bodfather himself, Troy Weiss, and friend of the show, Marlon Hestatoon in the BOD studio. Coming up on the show, we discuss uh, games we've been playing. We'll cover some recent hobby and purchase updates from the group. And then we'll cover a growing convention out of Madison, Wisconsin, GameholeCon. The gang attended GameholeCon over the first weekend in November, the 4th through the 6th, and we all had a blast. In its fourth year, it's quickly becoming a convention not to miss, and we recap some highlights of the show. We hope you enjoy it. This episode is brought to you by Anvil 8 Games. Their first release, Ethereum, is a BOD favorite, and their newest game, Frontline No Comrades is quickly becoming a regular in our rotation. We've played this game a bunch of times now, and it's a lot of fun. You're basically Russian soldiers trying to push your comrades into the line of fire to save your own skin. It's loads of fun, plus the Soviet-style artwork is a great touch. To pick up Ethereum and the House of Karu expansion or Frontline No Comrades, head to anvil-8.com. That's A-N-V-I-L-E-I-G-H-T dot com. Our theme music is by Fadeback. For upcoming shows or to check out some of their songs, visit Fadeback.org. Hit it, boys. everybody welcome to the show got uh we've got we've got quite a crew this it's, evening it's the best crew pretty pretty stoked don't excited. tell john i said that though <laughs> we've got the uh the golden voice tyson tepfer sitting second chair it was night again it was uh troy weiss the bodfather himself is a game hole like a donut hole I think so. And then friend of the show, Marlon Hestatoon. I just came for the free beer. It, that's, that's valid. That's valid. Uh, yeah, sitting fourth chair. So uh, what are we drinking, gentlemen? Yeah, speaking of free beer. Mm. Speaking of free beer. What do you got tonight, Josh? Let's we got start some with good you. ones. Well, uh, our friend Jeremy Ring, little shout out. Uh, you mean J-Wow? J-Wow. Okay. He uh, brought me a Pipeworks Brewing and Toppling Goliath combo. Uh, what is it a collaboration? It? A collaboration. There you go. It's called Double Creature Feature. It is a double dry hop, double India pale ale brewed with honey, pineapple juice, and habanero peppers. And it's got a dinosaur on it. Double the pleasure. It's pretty good. And it's got a dinosaur on it. And it's got a dinosaur on it. Well, two. There's one like with Whoa. a sword, and one that's just roaring. And that's crazy. It's it's pretty pretty nuts. 
So yeah, that's that's what I'm drinking. It's pretty good. And I believe Marlon is drinking the same. Correct. And I will never remember what that's called, so I'm drinking what Josh is drinking. Fair enough. Double creature feature is what it's called. Yes, that. That's the one. That's that creature feature 2X. Times two. Troy, what do you got tonight? Uh, I got what's a, a, our new staple, Octillion, Ale Asylum, Madison. I think it's the same thing I was drinking last time. Not the same beer. It is a new one because we've. <laughs> I think we've tried to write buy any stock that was left that from uh, Ale Asylum in the Waukesha, Greater Milwaukee or Greater Milwaukee Waukesha area. We have now, and either uh, I I rolled well in my uh, search check, yeah. and I found like one six pack, so. I threw that in the fridge. Mm. Well done. There's two in the BOD. Ooh. Two six-packs or yep. two beers? Two six-packs. Wow. Maybe. All right, so I'm going over to Troy's tomorrow. <laughs> Tyson, what are you drinking? Uh, Stone Brewing's winter uh, seasonal called Zoko Vesa. It's a um, winter spiced mocha stout. has some vanilla notes, a little bit of pepper, Um you definitely get the the mocha stout. It's it's pretty delicious, and it's spelled with an X, X O C O V E Z A. Ooh, look at you! I think it's Spanish for something. Probably like chocolate beer. <laughs> <laughs> it's Spanish for <laughs> chocolate <laughs> beer. <laughs> no idea. That's I mean that seems legit. Don't don't check us on that. Um yeah no that's awesome. Uh definitely all. Uh, drink some good beer so what have we been playing recently gentlemen tyson uh, you were out in seattle with our friends matt and elena and your brother went with you yeah tom and i went to the uh the emerald city um just hang out with matt and elena drank some good beer ate some good food um saw some crazy stuff and uh we played a lot of board games we played civilization the 2010 release based on the computer game this version of civ classic 4x uh kind of fun combat needed a little little tweaking we're we were left feeling a little unsatisfied about combat uh but played played really smooth relatively quick to pick up for a pretty solid uh rule book classic classic 4x historical exploration expand eliminate or exterminate would you would you play again? Is. Yeah, I mean, we played three or four times out there, so um, I'd play it again. How many people can play? Um, Max two to four. Is that four? Okay. There are expansions that are very hard to find, but um, evidently, I don't know if I don't think it expands it expands player count, but it fixes combat. So yeah, didn't you guys go on a little we, wild goose chase? Elena called seven or eight different hobby stores in the Seattle area to find it, and then it was at one place in Tacoma, and uh, they were selling it for hundred fifty percent. You know the the going retail because it's so hard to find. So we did not go pick up um, the uh, the expansion. Plus, it's a it's a little bit of a drive to go pick up an expansion. Yeah, you... I mean you know forty five yeah. minutes or whatever. But you, I mean you do it, but yeah. Yeah. Well, while you were out there, um, Marlon, Troy, myself, and Mike Halls yep. played Mansion of Madness. Second edition. Second edition. It was pretty cool. Um, I like the addition, uh, or like the, 
I like the games that you where you play with um, some sort of digital aid. You know, that was really fun. Yeah, and I thought it was a good kind of it made took the place of our Halloween like role playing game. And, yeah, and we did play it. That was like Halloween weekend or close, right? I think it was yeah. the weekend before or something like that. Um, yeah, and it really was. I, I thought it was super thematic. Um, we Mike had played that scenario before, but again, the app just totally randomizes the thing. And after we got past like the first room, he's like, "This is totally different." And then then what what happened before? Um, and we came right to the end, and there was rooms getting sucked into the who knows what warp whatever the Cthulhu version of that is. There's yeah, there's some giant monster that Josh is standing there trying to hold off, <laughs> but he might be secretly trying to kill himself, but I don't know, something like that. I some reason it. I couldn't talk. I enjoyed it way more than I thought I would. I'm, I'm not big on the horror games and the, you know, or even the, the zombie craze or anything along those lines. And, and I enjoyed the game. And I think that the digital interactivity that you have with the iPad app, with uh, being able to, to play it through and let that make some determinations for the game so you're not just relying on a deck being yep. flipped or, or something along those lines. So it was it, it was enjoyable. I, I really did enjoy it. I would definitely uh, take another spin. I don't know how you could make a scenario harder based on we did the easiest <laughs> scenario and nearly whitewashed us multiple times, so... How did, how did you guys feel about the speed of play? I've heard with the app sometimes it's a little slow to reveal and set up, and you're like, hurry up with the app, how it presents the information. You know, maybe maybe if we were five, six, seven scenarios in and we had played it a bunch, it would get frustrating. But definitely, I don't think at any point in time I was sitting there tapping my toes waiting for the app to, to do something. Okay. I mean, yeah, we were... We were learning a bit, and we had to find some things on the app and had to move through and work on some things. But I, I didn't feel personally that it was slow or that it was problematic in terms of holding up the game or making the the, the whole thing less enjoyable. Yeah, and I only thing I – and that's when Mike Halls and I were kind of debriefing afterward. We The one thing – as we got into – as you're doing combats over and over, and is it the horror check that you do every you know turn – what we what you find is that I mean basically the app gives you kind of a block of text. What you do is you kind of quickly skim it and you're like, all right, what's the check and what's the um, result if you don't make it, right? You'd kind of pick those out very quickly. So you, even though the app's kind of slow, what you're starting to do is you start to skim it. You don't read the whole block and and so you know one thing that could be an improvement is to actually kind of maybe give you a summarization of the block of text below, so you didn't have to kind of skim through it like, oh, that's this one where you you know, make the, you need three successes. And if that happens, you, you know, yeah. lose. So you, you, that's what I found is towards as we were doing combats over and over and over again, we were, we just kind of self kind of did that quick. Streamlined it yourself. Yeah. Cause, cause yeah. that's the one thing I've read or heard in a lot of the reviews. Cause I've thought about buying the second edition, um, is it could use some streamlining, but that's, that's why I ask. Yeah, but I think that's almost nitpicking. I, th- it was, it was a blast. I was kind of awesome. like Marlon. I'm not a huge Cthulhu guy. I thought these, you know, don't yeah, let don't make... let Cthulhu hear that. <laughs> uh, he'll come for you. And and even the game, I'm like, is this going to be kind of a? Uh, is it going to be like a weird dungeon crawl? What's it? Get? But you know, quickly once we kind of got, got that first room, we kind of got. Well, I should say we kind of felt like we got our feet under us, and then they got yanked out from underneath us very quickly, over and over again, over and over. Like all of a sudden, then you're in the story. It was immersive, and you're like, you know, and even because obviously when you're learning and you're playing a game for that first time. 
you lose some of the the ambiance or just kind of the essence of what the game's trying to do because you're you're opening rule books and you're trying to figure out even with that you could get that that dark side to it and you know and there was that that edge of creepiness to it where once you know where you can click and move yeah. and, and go through things just naturally yeah. on it and you're playing one of these, I bet you it could be kind of a, a creepy experience yeah. for the game itself. So I, I don't know. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I would absolutely throw in again on it. Yeah, and I recommend it. I mean, think if, if it's something where you're thinking about buying, because like so I'm not even a Cthulhu person, I'm like, boy, I mean, I don't know. I guess if I would see that, you know, maybe not at re- on sale or something, I think I'd jump at it just because it seems like it'd be a ton of fun. Even people who are... I think it even could be a gateway game where people who aren't mm-hmm. that into you know hobby board gaming could sit down play a character it's not that hard uh, and get it kind of into the story pretty quick and do something like that so yeah and it, you had mentioned it but yeah we played it right before halloween and yeah it was kind of themey right mm-hmm. and kind of that monster lovecrafty you know that, that was kind of cool um I, I i threw out a tweet uh that morning um we played pretty late and i went to bed pretty much right after i got home and yeah definitely had some weird like cthulhu lovecrafty dreams <laughs> which was weird but yeah no, it was fun yeah and i gotta thank mike for i mean he brought out his game and he had the first edition he actually mixed in some of the first edition um you can mix in expansions and pieces you have from first edition in the second edition and the app you just tell it what you have and it tweaks the story, you know, and uses the, like the witches, I think, came out of one of his expansions, first edition expansions, not the base second edition game. So, yeah, that's pretty hard. cool. Uh, Tyson, you played a little Tyrants of the Underdark? Yeah, so so why I wanted to talk about this briefly tonight is because at Gen Con, it was a game that I kind of, I think I talked about as perhaps being a hit of the con, and then I was a little underwhelmed just looking at it at Gale Force. Um, but we went to Mox Boarding House in Seattle, which is a restaurant and game store where you can check out games from the library to play at the table as you eat your meal, uh, which is a, a cool concept. So we grabbed Tyrants of the Underdark. Um, and it, it ultimately, the core mechanic is deck building. But you use the deck that you construct to acquire area and eliminate the other players um, for area control on the board. So your deck is your engine that you're building. And then you're placing your warriors and your spies to navigate um and you're a drow house so there's no way to play the game friendly everything you do (laughs) is screwing over somebody else at the table no matter what there's no alliance there's no friendly way to play it's it forces you to backstab cheat and lie your way to uh to victory awesome um but worth checking out i don't know if i'll buy it but it's definitely a fun game what do you what do you think of the components and other part of that i'm I, I from just kind of the brush look at it it not jumps it doesn't jump out yeah, at me the, um, the board was underwhelming um i think even if the board had looked as nice as um what's the other the um water deep lords of water deep if the board had even looked as nice as that it would have helped the card art was okay um the little plastic pieces were tiny shields um or these little mini spy miniatures um it could have obviously the the price goes way up if you up the the quality of the miniature um but it was it was underwhelming presentation wise great game mechanic great rules easy to learn uh didn't feel like 
felt like it was going to be a close game no matter what, just as how the game interacts um, and the player interaction. Uh, but yeah, components left a little little to be desired. Do you know the price point on it? Um, I think sixty. I think that's what most of those D and D box sets are like that. Is there that sixty seventy range? Yeah, I mean, I think it, no more than what Spartacus uh, was. Yeah, but I similar know. to Spartacus, where it's the art was underwhelming. The yeah. the minis aren't fantastic. Yeah, like Spartacus. Uh, well, Spartacus used a lot of like um, TV show. They had yeah. the, the screenshots from the TV show is what they used for almost all the art in that. So Yeah. And then I think uh, while you were gone, we played a little uh, mechs versus minions. Yeah, so uh, if we go the opposite side of uh, component quality, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> that would be Riot Games, um, yeah. mechs versus minions. Um, we had, I think, yeah, me, Josh, and then John and Ashton, um, we brought Ashton in as the uh, the stand-in. The well, as the since he was the one who actually might have some familiarity with League of Legends. Yeah, we're like, uh, all right, you tell us if this set does anything. Um, it was underwhelming because, well, for Ashton, it was he did not provide any kind <laughs> of expertise at all. He got stuck in the corner a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but Max versus Minions. Um, he, I mean, if you, you've seen it on the, if you've ever seen it on the internet, I mean, the, but even seeing it in person, I mean, it's. It dwarfs like a coffin size game box. It's, it's huge. huge. Um, the, the all the and Marlon, you've seen it, right? And all the um, what I want to say, the trays inside that are holding all the pieces. For, I think they're actually game trays, so we can, we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, but these custom trays that are holding all the miniatures and all the cards and boards and any all the components are in there. Everything fits perfectly. Um, you can shake the box. You can drop it. Turn it upside down. Um, nobody's gonna fall out of there. All the they're pre-painted. They're bigger than I thought. I thought when I looked at it, you know, it's gonna be like a twenty-eight millimeter model. Those are like I don't know, thirty-five. I don't know. They're huge. Yeah, like, they're big. They're got so it. Um, that's really good. And then all even the little guys, even though they're not all painted, they're washed. Um, pretty good. So we did the tutorial twice. Um, <laughs> because we. I think we well, screwed up. We screwed yeah. up, yeah. And we, and we was like, well, okay, well, let's do it twice and we get it down. And then we played the first scenario. I kind of like to play more just to get, because we just were starting to get, I feel like, the kind of the meat to it. Like, oh, yeah, here's how you get the, the mechs to go and are they going to, um, and how you take damage and, and really get pushed. Because I think we, the first scenario was was hard enough, but we kind of made it, even with Ashton spinning around the corner. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we were, we were playing uh, a th- a four-player game with three of us. Three of us, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, the mechanics, if you've seen, is um, basically program movement is probably the best thing to yeah. think about it. With a, There's a combination of a card draft, right? There's a card draft mechanic with um, program movement. So you kind of get, you're going to have your initial program, and then you're going to get basically one card a turn, usually, that you can add to the to your program to get where you need to go and then the and the minions just kind of keep once they come they kind of keep coming in waves and if they hit you they can do damage and that actually can kind of wreck your program so then you may have to patch your program or kind of figure out how you work around something or sometimes the actual damage could help you too which is yeah was in there so how many players does it play four but i think you can play i think it, you can play like two i think you can go two to four so mm-hmm. i think it has some scaling to it what I need to know is, did you get to open the end boss box? No, we didn't. Even, we're not even close. Like so, okay. we only we've only done a couple of scenarios to do that. 
But you, it's really funny. The the end box, the end boss box has like a little. I don't know if it's a cleaver or something sticking out of the top. Like they kind of just give you like a little little teaser. Yeah, like yeah. oh, what's what's in there? You know, you see just a little peek coming out, and yeah, so yeah, little teaser. But I'm sure a, a lot of folks have already seen yeah. on the interwebs and and things. So yeah, I, I mean, I again, I liked it. it. It's probably again something that you could like gateway game. I don't know that you need to have. A lot of expertise in it but there is a lot of nuance to it i think to really figure out and do it well there's enough complexity there to, to sink in i mean i don't know josh what you thought on yeah no it was it was cool um so i, I you know i work for a software company so i kind of program a little bit and that that kind of teased into some of the logic side of my brain that i like to to use so um, you know, you you see the minions coming, and you're trying to program your your mech to destroy them. And yeah, no, I I thought it was fun. Yeah. Yep. And again, that's it's seventy five bucks. So I would say if you have any inkling, and you have seventy five bucks, you want you don't mind parting with, I would try and get a hold of a copy. I think it's it's that good. Mm-hmm. For sure. So uh, what have we been buying, gentlemen? So I talked a little bit about so game trays, the guys that make the custom trays for um, for Max versus Minions. They also do other stuff. Um, so I just threw in a, a, an order there because they do a really cool tray for Splendor. Um, and if you literally would not need the box, except for maybe the instructions, but nobody needs the instructions for yeah, Splendor anymore. Super right? easy. Yeah. Um, so really cool. I mean, it's just you know, kind of. It must be. I don't know if it's vacuum form injection plastic. I'm not a plastic manufacturer, so I don't know. But you're not. Nope. Oh. Um, but really cool, and if I mean, and I think I've tweeted out some pictures of it. They get there, and then I bought a little bit, a stack of. They also just make little, like kind of like Tupperware kind of things, but for games, kind of stuff for tokens and just small. They're probably kind of like a four by four pack. Type yeah, thing. almost like a, yeah. I think they're like four by four inches that you can get, and they have those in one, one or double, and just I picked a bunch of those to put in other games as to help organize and stuff like that. So that's cool. Just blinging out normal games and. Um, yeah, not that expensive. Pretty cool stuff. Good, good quality. So, I think you'll see their stuff. I think you'll see him doing stuff like that, where he's doing custom stuff for specific games, games themselves, and a couple other kickstarters he's worked with, and then yeah. he just does other stuff out of there. So, yeah, I mean the stuff that was in uh, Max versus Minions, and then you showed me your your Splendor tray. That very nice. I I think it's really cool what they're doing. Cool. Um, at GameholeCon release day, the early release for Volo's Guide to Monsters um, took place. So we'll talk a little bit more about the uh, the guide itself and what the D&D team did to create that. But they had the limited edition, a few copies at, was it I'm Bored? Yep. So. Um, a stack of them. So Troy and I each picked up the uh, cool art cover with the Mind Flare. Um, really nice script. It, it looks really good great great book for 50 bucks mm-hmm. um and then in, in essence it's monsters manual 2 but they've gone away from naming it the monsters manual 2 3 4 5 6 7 and it's got some cool uh culture of monsters and the story behind some of them and um a little bit more about monsters races how to play them so it's a good product yeah, and I was surprised that I mean the limited edition cover was the same price as the yeah. regular book, so that was like yeah. a no brainer to to pick up that. And then I was showing Mandy that, um, and it's Hydro seventy four, I think, um, is the guy who did that. He, so and he, I didn't, I mean, that name doesn't mean anything to me. To Mandy, who's a graphic artist, 
um, you know, he's well known, super he's like well a known. rock star. Yeah, yeah. in the, yeah. in any kind of illustration kind of stuff, and you go on his website and stuff like that. So, and it just, yeah, super cool book. It was super cool. So just today, even though it came out what a week ago, two weeks ago. Um, so burning a Prospero from GW box set showed up at my door. Um, did you order it or did it just no? Show it just up? showed up. Oh, wow. I, w- I wish I was that good. That's, it that's just really showed. Nice. No, I had to. I, they know he wants one. They just <laughs> yeah. They say, no, send this guy one. It's all right. <laughs> Reese and Frankie He's and the good, good guys it. at Frontline Gaming um, sent me that that stuff over there. Also, and then I had a few other GW things that I wanted that are going to go into probably I'll talk to later. They'll probably help with some of the Space Hulk stuff we're doing or or my jeans still are called Arm, Army something the other one. So. <laughs> I have a lot of minis for that Army, man. <laughs> so one thing Tom and I looked at and said, these rules are solid. This could be the best Army if you play it right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the it takes a ton of minis to get there. Uh, Prospero Burns, though, it's all MK3, right? A ton of MK3. Yeah. And just the... Well, on the Sisters of Silence, they're so cool, and the Custodes. I mean, I think those are the things that are going to be... I may just get... I may just try and build those just for fun. Because Custodes would be cool really models, cool in yeah. any Army of the Imperium. Like, that would be a cool squad to, to roll. I think so. I'm a little... Toughness I'm five, a little, Yeah, I'm... I think they're cool. I'm a little... what Like, I don't need to see them in 40K. They're I a mean, force multiplier. They are, but if you, <laughs> I think it's if you're a... I mean, yes, if you're playing power super competitive. Gamer. Yeah, there we go. If you're a power gamer. In the meta. <laughs> in there. Yeah. Um, and I love that GW wanted people to use them, but I yeah. I think it's I think if you're playing it's hard to make hard from a fluff story to say why why are there sisters of silence and custodes in every single army everywhere <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> yeah, you don't need fluff to win yeah. though. So has anybody done any uh kickstarting? Buying, doing awesomeness. Is is my wife gonna hear this? I don't know. Is she? Does she? I don't know. I hope she, not. Does she download? <laughs> no, she doesn't. Okay. Then well, she should at least download. Yeah. She doesn't have to listen. All right. Fair enough. Fair it's enough. A well, safe, it's a safe space here. Yeah. So I it actually just ended today. Uh, just backed the the game Deep End, and honestly, the uh, the Mansions of Madness kind of spurred me to it. It's kind of a horror Cthulhu Lovecraftian themed uh looks to be kind of a dungeon crawlish board game and the sheer mass of uh minions and uh, miniatures that come with it uh, made it worthwhile i think i think there's a uh, roughly almost 200 miniatures that'll be coming with based on the uh the stretch goals that they achieved yeah, and then there was like the Oh, and then for ten extra dollars, here's another mini. Oh, and here for twenty extra dollars, here's another mini. Oh, and for fifty extra dollars, here's like five more minis. And it's, yeah, so I yeah I I put enough in to get the the base game, all the stretch goals, and then I bought the two expansion sets on it. I didn't no plans to buy extra minis because there's plenty <laughs> of minis along with it. But uh, it looked pretty cool. But that one ended today. Um, so. So yeah, I'm, I'm like in all the stages except for receiving, in terms of Kickstarter stuff right now because I have, I have that I have uh, the Mass Mordia from Cool Mini or Not that should be here. I don't know the next month or two that's supposed to be here and then uh, Cool Mini or Not's Dungeon Crawler, which actually works as a crossover to, uh, works as a crossover to uh, Zombicide to Black Plague. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, 
Massive Darkness. Massive Darkness, yeah. I have that one out there too. What I'm probably most excited for is the dice sets that uh, that I have coming. The the wizard dice sets that uh, now I can't remember who it was that I uh, bought those from. That was, uh, but uh, they're 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 from uh, Poly Dice from Poly Dice, and they're like the six sider looks like a fireball, and the uh, yeah. you know the twenty sider is just a real real customized cool looking 20 sider uh, you know the the four sider is a scroll the the, the eight sider is a, is a wand and they, they roll differently and I'm most excited because I have three extra sets of six of the six siders coming all in red and they're all fireball shaped so I'm looking forward to the first time that I'm playing D&D again when I once I have those to be able to cast a fireball to be able to roll literal fireballs who's uh kickstarting death ray design uh so that one's over and done actually again i received like i don't even know what it is probably 20 pounds of mdf laser cut terrain nice um today um i need to kind of go through it all and make sure that i got because they kind of it's almost bulk like there's some stuff but it's like just about six inches tall and, yeah shrink then yeah. like here it is all the stuff that it you smells really good that. yep so go through it but that's um death ray designs if you've seen them um their stuff i really like it because it really does not look like laser cut mdf when you put it all together it it tends to they do a really nice job with the design and stuff yeah, the like detail that. and stuff yep. like yeah so so that's cool that and i and they you can get i think you can get all the stuff now um that there which is there's bunkers there's like um lot of more 40k sci-fi stuff and then they also do like a, a city kind of thing that's probably more infinity kind of base or something like that if you did that and i think that's all available now on their website too so and then i have a bunch of other stuff i had bought like necron buildings and things like that in the past again just really highly recommend if you need that kind of train and things like that i mean look at the death ray designs guys cool it's still out there still able to be kickstarted Silly, almost a waste of money, probably. But uh, the guys from the Oatmeal have their second game. They have Bears versus Babies. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, isn't that like a minus Kickstarter? <laughs> so here's here was my thought on it because I because I bought their their previous one, the uh, Exploding Kittens. Exploding Kittens, which is an awful game, right? Yeah, I mean, right. it's just hey, you, you buy it for the art for because you like the Oatmeal. It's it's an awful, awful yeah. game. This one, the the Bears versus Babies, is actually they actually brought in a game designer. To design the game, it's uh, I don't want to say it's a deck building game, but it's a, you use a, you use a deck to build your your character that you're playing, the the bear that you're creating to fight the babies, and they actually brought in a game designer. So there's actual mechanics, there's actual. <laughs> <laughs> so it uh, again for the thirty five bucks, I figure I'll get a stupidly customized letter probably from the oatmeal that'll have my name on it, so it'll make me feel special. And uh, thank you for buying our game. Marlin, Marlin has, to has to tune. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but uh, I thought I'd give this one a try. This will be their, their last chance to sell me an actual game that's playable <laughs> to go along with their art. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Excellent. Yeah, and uh, the only Kickstarter I'm really looking at now to get in on is this new game called Feudum. F-E-U-D-U-M. Um, should be uh, pretty good. Um, it's a pretty heavy euro, but what's interesting is I'm seeing a ton of 
board game podcast, game designers like Jamie Stegmeier of Scythe and guys get behind this game and say it's really going to be a game changer. They're saying potential top 10 game, one of those types oh. where it just drops and it's a huge hit. Um, but it's it's hand management, resource management, action programming, and you're, you're in this world of trying to build up your kingdom um, to take control. The art has this kind of humorous element to it. it it just it looks really good and it's a 59 dollars kickstarter the game looks like it's got a hundred dollars worth of components um but just that heavy resource management euro style with an interesting hand management and the the action programming so cool people are comparing it to like terra mystica um and some of the games like that just real weighty that are fun to play again and again so probably going to get in on that it opened yesterday uh thursday november 10th and it's already doubled there they needed forty nine thousand dollars. they've doubled it they have a thousand backers in day two of the kickstarter so nice always nice to see something hit the ground with a ton of hype and perform well and we'll see if they deliver so excellent so what kind of uh hobby projects we got going on gentlemen uh you know quick updates from the group stuff that uh we've been working on what is nothing for 200 trebek i haven't been hobbying and i'm disappointed in myself because uh we're disappointed in you too i've just been list building tom and i locked in our adepticon team tournament and individual tournament lists and now it's just the road to get there so we've we've crunched the numbers. We've calculated how many wounds we can dump onto the table in a turn. Um, so the journey is set forth in front of you, and you need to take the first step. Yeah. Well, we did. We you built did. a list. Yeah, that's I rock that, solid. That counts. All right. Okay. You so don't you, know what you got a hobby if you don't know what your arm right, is. Right. So. Right. Yeah. I'm not going like last year. I went into well, what do I have painted, and how can I build this list from what I've painted yeah. mm-hmm. and looks cool. Now it's I know what I want. I know what I need. It's time to get it bought, get it assembled, and get it painted. Get her done. Get her done. Making ogres great again. <laughs> How about you, Troy? Um, so I've been slowly working on the world eaters that I've probably been talking about for a year. Um, but there are there's almost a squad. I don't know. They're kind of half. I did some experiments on how I was going to paint them and actually pulled the airbrush out to do some bulk stuff and been playing around. So I got, I got one guy probably really complete and about 10 guys, 80% of the way. Um, but they're just kind of working on that. Um, and then the other thing I've been partly like Ty has really been tossing around is what we're doing for a space Hulk at Adepticon. Cause we can't just run the same scenario that we did last year, even though we probably could, some reason i like to mix it up and change some stuff up so we're gonna have some death watch probably guys show up this year we're also playing around with doing a total um i don't know say um gm basically a gm scenario so basically have all the players in the event actually play the marines and actually just have um me and or other people just run the gene stealers because that ends up what we do half the time anyway um so maybe just plan for that and and see what we can do and actually so i'm playing around with trying to see if i can do six like a board that i could actually have six marine squads come in that might be interesting to to try and figure out so that's something milling around my head trying some stuff out so i'm excited gets me excited to do that so excellent 
Well, we'll uh, we'll cover our game hole con awesomeness after the break. What does a game hole smell like, guys? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Smells like November 4th through 6th at the Alliant Energy Center. (laughs) In Madison, Wisconsin, year four of Game Hole Con. And uh, this year, the the BOD crew hit it in the biggest force we are yet to hit Game Hole with. I think we're the least smelly group there. You know, to be fair, the hygiene level is decent. It's a short con, uh, plenty of hotels nearby, um, I think. People showed up with you know, an understanding of respect for uh, their fellow gamer. Most. Most. Not I mean, all. I did run a true dungeon with some pretty rank dudes. That they was, were. That was us. They, they was. He's <laughs> talking about us. <laughs> but, uh, so, Not me. <laughs> Not you. So all of us were at Gamehole Con. Um, this is the fourth year of it and the fourth year that... Uh, Troy and I have gone at least yep. for for the the one day. Um, great small con continues to grow. Um, Matt and Elena flew in from Seattle. Um, Elena actually had her booth at the con. They had a I think a voucher from Southwest, so it helped with the airfare. And <laughs> nice. Um, we're there. Uh, Jeremy came up from from Chicago area on Saturday. The city. The city. Um, Marlon was there for the the day. Um, Barry, Becky, Mike, you know, and the 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 crew. It was a pretty good turnout for the BOD and awesome. friends. BOD and friends. Yeah, good times. Yeah, good times. Good times. Um, great oldies. So so, <laughs> I guess other than who attended um, the venue itself. So second year at the Alliance Energy Center, they took over more okay. of the. Um, convention space this year there was not a uh palm and dance um (laughs) performance on the other side of the the convention space this year (laughs) which which helped (laughs) and it allowed them really to bring in true dungeon expanding into those halls they had more open gaming space um opened up all of those rooms uh, for Adventures League. They had a big presence there. So the the spacing of the convention center, stuff running upstairs as well, um, was pretty cool. Right when you walk in through the main foyer of uh, the Alliance Energy Center, ooh, ooh. Uh, they had the premiere table. I thought that was pretty yep. cool. That it was, was neat, a big yeah. gaming table broadcasting. I think they were web streaming um, some of the games. Yeah, and I saw, I mean, I think I saw Ed Greenwood on there, and then uh, Stephen Porconi, or whatever, with his, he had his whole Dwarven Forge city all set yeah. up there, and they were he was running some D&D game through that. That was on most of the Friday, I think, because I, I walked by there, I think on Friday, saw that a couple of times. So, and I'm sure they kept doing that yeah, all Bill, the Yeah, Bill weekend. Cavalier did, uh, the Dungeon Bastard did his um, extreme dungeon right. game Saturday night there. So very, very cool um, how they set that up. Vendor Hall was pretty spacious. I didn't feel crowded in there. Didn't spend a lot of time. Felt like similar in size to last year. Yeah, I don't, I mean, kind of the normal, a lot of the, nor whatever you want to call it, southeastern Wisconsin, Madison area, hobby stores kind of show up. 
few art. It seemed like the artists. There were actually probably a few more artists maybe than in the past. Well, Lena was there, so she plus one for sure. But I felt I think there were a couple <laughs> other. Yeah, it was um, like four ish, yeah, five maybe. Yeah, that was a good. It was a good corner up there of artists. Yeah, and then and then a couple. I mean, I think the only like unique thing might have been that, that uh, we grabbed a card from that the guys doing that etched glass, um, all kinds of different fantasy kind of stuff with etched glassware and whatever it was like glasses. I don't know what else they had. Some kind of tumblers, all like all kinds of cool stuff. It looked like they yeah, did some wood wood burning and glass etching. Because if we want to pursue you know plank glasses for the basement of death, mm-hmm. um, looking for people to do that. Yep. Stay tuned for more. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, I had a, uh, a friend who has run games at GameholeCon last two years that I ran into. Um, maybe three years. Who's your friend? Uh, my friend Corey. Uh, he actually, I, I know him through work. Friend, um, of, friend of the show now? Can we? Uh, I don't know if he listens or not, but maybe, oh, yeah. He should. Corey, shout out if, you, if you're listening. Um, Have him download. He... Uh, runs a Cthulhu-themed uh, role-playing game. I'm not sure the name of it, but... Call of Cthulhu. Could, yeah, it could be. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, he said that this year they kind of just tweaked some things and they just laid it out better and they just had things kind of more sharp. And he goes, I, I don't know if the food trucks were in addition this year or last year, but he said the addition of the food trucks and just like so the way they handled yeah. everything was just a little bit crisper. So it's it's clear they're a growing young convention. Year four, years one and two were across the the street yeah. at the Sheridan. Mm-hmm. So in a hotel, they had the food trucks. Then last year was their first year in the convention center space, and they had some growing pains. They didn't have the food trucks. The right. space was a little condensed. Um, so they they're list, what's really cool is they're listening the feedback, they're making improvements, and their attendance is growing in leaps and bounds. Yeah. I mean, forty percent growth uh, each year, I think, based on the what they said in their um, newsletter they sent out post post. Yeah, and even previous years, I think I mean, it's it's hard to even call it. All the problems they've had is because too many people have come. Yeah, it's yeah. not right, which is not a terrible problem to have. I mean, when we this. The second year in the Sheraton, they were just breaking at the seams. Like, they just totally outgrew it before they thought they were going to, right? And then even they moved the Alliance Energy Center. Like, okay, we'll get half the Alliance Energy, Alliance Energy Center, and that should be fine. No. Like, they filled it to the, the brim, and that's why I think last year there was a little bit of, as they were getting uh, familiar with that space and how you get people in and how much room do you really, should you know, how many tables should you pack into one of those conference rooms, that kind of stuff. And, yeah, it does feel like this year they – they're listening and they tweaked a lot of stuff and they got more space. And even though they grew a lot, they, I think they realized how to accommodate the growth that they're getting. So um, I think next year's going to be exciting. I mean, it's, it's really a cool uh, local con and you know, it's, I think it's becoming bigger than a local con, right? It's, yeah. start, it's going to become more of a regional con very quickly. Right. And yeah. Well, and Corey's from like, you know, kind of uh, just outside of Chicago. So, I mean, you know, we're getting people from other yeah. States, you know, coming in. So I think that's great. Um, and the, you know, the adoption of true dungeon is also pulling people. So, you know, it's getting some notoriety. So yeah, they're, they're doing the right thing to get people there. They're offering quality games, quality industry, um, guests, um, introducing true dungeon, um, 
And that's a real coup. I don't, I don't know. Does anybody have any insight? Josh, do you have any insight of how they were actually able to pull off getting True Dungeon to come? The True Dungeon wanted to find somewhere to go to. And I think yeah. what probably played into it a lot is the fact that Gen Con itself is a major sponsor of Game Hole Con. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that helped based on True Dungeon's relationship with Gen Con for the last 13 years that they were able to work out and, and come to. Because, yeah, True Dungeon was at one other small con uh, in Indianapolis yes. in the February time frame. And yeah, they were looking con. Yeah, they were mm-hmm. looking for a off-season other con that wasn't too far away for them to be able to make the trip to to set up and that had the space because they're actually dropping out of Who's Your Con yeah. this year mainly because of space restrictions because they're not giving them a room that's big enough where they can set everything up the way they want to. So I'm hopeful that GameholeCon meets those needs for True Dungeon to allow them to, to come up and, and really take a hold of it because this is, at least for the time being, going to be the only other option to play True Dungeon besides playing it at Gen Con. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think they had such a good experience. Like it, it was the that following week right after uh well I guess now, um they announced that they weren't uh going to be at Hoosier Con anymore. So I think they just had such a good experience that it was like Yeah, okay, we're we're done. Okay. Hopefully. I mean their their ticket sales I don't think were quite where they would hope to because they didn't sell out. I think they sold Seventy ish percent of their tickets, at least pre sale, seventy percent of their tickets. I, I think Friday was a little lacking, uh, but I mean, you know, it's a work day for a lot of people. So, it, but I, I think they sold most of their Saturday tickets, and for the, I mean, I think they did enough business that it, you know, I think it was worthwhile. So, at least that's the impression I got. I don't, I don't have any true insight there, but so venue, I mean, great. You know, guests great, everything. It it Adepticon and Gamehole are the two cons that I will make a point of going to each and every year from here on out. Just um, it it has everything I look for in a con: ample opportunity to play board games, great uh, event selection lists, no problem getting event tickets, no problem. You know, it's convenient. Um, so. What um, what also is really cool is I talked a little bit in the past about registration, but I was having some issues in their customer service, you know, on day of registration, an hour out, being able to help reply to an email, get me in so I could, you know, line up tickets and not worry about missing out on something because of a registration issue on a whatever Saturday or Sunday morning. Um, and then the volunteer presence and the, the con staff, we, you know, didn't really talk about that, but there were people in Gamehole Con staff t-shirts everywhere and um there was an issue a shortage of gaming tables on saturday and matt went to one of the organizers and said hey there's no open gaming tables and they kind of move stuff around and open up a few more tables i mean just very accessible we'll see how long that continues um but the bigger they get the the further away from the unwashed masses the people that can make those (laughs) types of things happen are going to be right so um but in, in the meantime, I mean, we're talking thousands of people. It's not like 40 people in a in a American Legion post hall. It's it's a pretty big place to be able to do that. It was pretty cool considering I th- I'm guessing their attendance is 4,000, 5,000. We'll see. I don't know. You it, know. That, and this is my first year, so I didn't see it at the Sheridan. I didn't see it last year. But the reality is, is from my perspective, being first year being there is I was – Surprise isn't the right word. The the amount of space that they could grow, even just in what they have there on the floor, 
you know, so for what you're saying from, boy, it's successful, it's trending up, it's, it's doing all the, the right things, that whole end of that hallway down where they had True Dungeon and where they mm. they had some of the crafty things going on was open. More space. I, you yeah, know, there's yeah. way more space, even just for generic gaming tables yeah. Or, yeah. or whatever it might be. I mean, so they, they've got... They've got expansion space built into the alliance. So mm-hmm. look, forty percent growth year over year, you're going to run out of space in a hurry. You know that's going to that's going to start to exponentially really drive space restrictions and everything up. But yeah. for the time being, it looks like they've got everything they everything they need there to uh, to be able to last a few more years of that that kind of growth before you start to really run into you know people being yeah. out of, unable yeah. to be helpful and unable to yeah. be hands-on to do things they're for they're doing the right things too with the hotels the clarion they had 24-hour open gaming set up in the attached hotel um they had the good hotel blocks i mean you had the four the four hotels nearby so madison it, there's not a lot if they catch a weekend and i think they're intentionally catching weekends where the badgers are out of town um <laughs> yeah. you're not going to have an issue you know, getting people from out of town. It's a big enough town, accessible enough to the convention center. So I think they're they're doing the, the right thing there. The only downside to that Aligned Energy Center is the fact that it is kind of set apart from other businesses. You know, there's a couple of hotels sort of close, but there's not really restaurants. There's not really easy walking stores, food, anything like that. So hopefully they'll continue that's, to bring in food carts. And, that's kind of good, though. Like, it keeps you there. It keeps you gaming, right? I don't know. It, to me, it was it was a little bit more yeah, and I mean, isolated to the your your gaming. You're there doing. Yeah it, yeah, it could be that I I just I'm more familiar with Madison too. But I know Barry and Becky went to the hockey game Saturday night. Matt and Lena left to you know they left to do stuff out during the day because Madison is accessible. It's not you're not going to be stuck an hour getting into somewhere where you can do that. Oh right, it's completely, five minutes completely. I, I know you're not a far so, drive, but yeah, but to go do a lot of those things, you know it. It's a drive. Look, if I'm going there for the weekend, if I'm going to stay the weekend, not a big deal. You know, yeah. I have my car, I have transportation, I can Uber, I can do whatever to get downtown or the things like that. I just think from the standpoint of if I wanted to come in, spend the whole spend the whole con. Let's say I wanted to get a hotel room for a couple of nights, I'd probably like a little time to be able to be out and away from what's going on within the con. So that those limits, I think, yeah, maybe maybe it's not. Maybe it's just. Maybe I'm overthinking it, but it seems like that would be a, a, a potential challenge yeah. eventually if it keeps growing at the rate it's growing. Sure. Yeah, it, it, it's not in a downtown walkable kind of area is kind of what you're saying. Right. Yeah. No, I get yeah. it. And I, th- I think we touched on it a little bit, but I think being able to do the food trucks this year was a big help in yeah. terms of that, of having more Absolutely. food choices and things like that there. And and last year they didn't have it. I think that was part of the growing pains with going the Alliance. I'm sure there's a whole bunch of regulation Contract, and yeah. contracts yeah. and and things like that that they had to work around. And they, I think, again, showing that they were successful last year, they were able to like have a little more leverage to say, hey – you know, we're, we're, we're making our, our food stuff in the building. Can we bring in the, the food trucks outside? To, and and to based help? on that newsletter as well, they're expanding the food trucks. They're going to try to have more. They know they want to have a pizza um, place either with stuff at the con or like a partnership to deliver. I mean, they, they're in touch with what... It, it's a con by gamers, really for gamers. It's not... I don't get oh, the feel Hey, of, that's stealing the Adepticon 
tagline. Yeah, that's that's uh, trademark. That's, yeah. It's not trademark. But same concept, though. I mean, what, what Hank and those guys yeah. have done with Adepticon, growing it over 15 yeah. years to what it is now, I get the same feeling yeah. from uh, Alex and the, the Game Hole guys, the nine of them that yeah. started this. Um, so we'll see. So what did we do? All the stuff, man. The con. All the stuff. Uh, what, what I was most excited to do, and Troy and I got our place in line, sat darn close <laughs> to the front. I waited with Chris Perkins outside the door, chatted him up a little bit about his travel. It was pretty cool. Uh, the, the panel with Mike Merles, the uh, senior manager for the D&D team, Chris Perkins, their lead story um, uh, creative guy, and then Jeremy Crawford, who is the keeper of the 5th edition rules. Um, and content editor. He does a lot of their editing. So, uh, so just take that in. Like, holy shit, right? <laughs> I'm at this small, smallish con in Madison, Wisconsin, and I have Mike Merles, Chris Perkins, Jeremy Crawford on a Friday morning. A Friday morning. For two hours, right? Yeah. Just ridiculous. It was a, amazing. Yeah, that was my highlight. I mean, I was only there oh, for a yeah. day. But amazing. We, and then, I mean, Josh or Tyle talked more about. We walked the out of the room. Mean, we walked out of the room, and Troy and I looked at each other and were like, "Okay, let's go home. <laughs> this is That's this it. is as good as it's going to get." Do you, um, do you think that the ability to land guys like that from you know from a D and D perspective is based on the importance of Wisconsin, Southern Wisconsin, in terms of? just that whole world you know and the fact that this is where it started this is where it came out of and do you think that they have enough awareness that you know that's how a con like game hole con could get that kind of a panel or do you think it's just more of a well we have there, there's not a lot of other cons going on in november and we have to the, make a certain amount of public yeah, experience so, so what's there. interesting though is the D team doesn't do a lot of um appearances and presence at stuff like they won't do Gen- they don't do Gen Con panels like Chris Perkins doesn't go. Merles was there in some capacity, okay. but not not much. Um, early on, the Gamehole guys reached out and had a really good relationship with some of the old guard, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Luke Gygax, Frank Mentzner, some of those guys, um, and created an experience. Perkins, I think, has been coming out three years in a row now. Yeah, I mean, I I I, I mean, a little bit of speculation, right? But I, I think you had the old guard, Ed Greenwood, yeah. Monty Cook, those guys, and then somehow, again, I don't know the details. Somehow, you got Chris Perkins there the last couple years, um, and my guess is Perkins said, "Hey, we you guys got to come out here. This is a blast, right? This is." Kind of, we got a lot of the old school guys there. I think they did some stuff when they came in on Wednesday or Thursday. They were tweeting out some stuff where they um, hung out with the the game hole guys and and other other guests that were there. So yeah, I, I don't know all the. It'd be interesting to know all the gory details of how this all kind of came together, but because it is super cool, um, and I think there's a little bit of like that. Yeah, is that game hole con has kind of got that they were able to pull in kind of that early D and D those guys that were there in the beginning and then now they're also able to pull in the new D&D guys right and get them to come and be excited about it so it's it's amazing it's really cool yeah and um i mean again last year we went to chris uh chris perkins's uh seminar where he did talking about the story and hinted at you know things to come <laughs> and told us about uh, Ravenloft no. And, well no he didn't no he, <laughs> he didn't. didn't he didn't he didn't. We, right. uh, we we, we followed those breadcrumbs there and right? I, I have my guess for next yeah. big release too um, 
but took six pages of note. I, everything they were they were saying, I was just taking some notes, and um, I'm not going to bore our listeners uh, ad nauseum with the uh, the recap, but talked a lot about the tradition and the the building the game to last for 50 years. It's been through 50, you know, 50 ish. Are we at 50 years of D and D? Damn close. We're really, yeah, I don't, we're really, so really close either way, like building it for the future, not, you know, recognizing where they've come from, appreciating the legacy and taking that to, to expand it. I mean, it look, look how it's growing. It is huge right now. It's, you have people talking about Dungeons and Dragons in pop culture and in, you know, the media out there that it's never been as popular to know about Dungeons and Dragons. Um, they talked a little bit about that. They kept alluding to the the rich tapestry of the Dungeons and Dragons brand and story and content. Um, some really cool Q and A, you know, just hearing them talk about their home games and getting these guys that are really the the creative, you know, driving force behind the game now. Talk about how they play and what they do and why they do things. I mean, what were what were some things you took away from the seminar? I I think a inter- interesting question and because we have to have a Neil from work call out. Um, Neil, Neil, and I work. Were, Neil and I were talking about this so a little Neil. bit. Um, the, the question the guy had about, and anyone would say complaining, right? He was just like, well, I think, you know, the older third, fourth edition, it was, everything was about giving more stuff for the, all these player books, different stuff like that. And I think it was Crawford, right? That kind of came out and said, you know, there's really been a shift in what they're doing because a lot of the stuff that comes out now is either the stories or stuff for the DM about, you know, to help build the game. Because he, he basically, you know, I always thought it was really good or good awareness, right? Is like, he's like, everything we brought to the players, all that can do is break the game. All it does is like, mm-hmm. it just makes it more stuff that could go wrong, more stuff that can go there. So they're very, very careful about releasing, you know, kind of player stuff, another class, another weapon, another spell. Every time you do that, it just makes the, the, it adds the complexity to the game of what's you know how everything interacts and everything so they've been it he talked about how they've been very very careful and really kind of pulled back on doing that stuff that you saw in in third and fourth edition i thought that was a really interesting insight that um you know that it's not about just pumping out the next book it's really these guys really care about the overall picture and this product as they as it moves forward and figure out how do we make this thing sustainable how do we keep it strong and growing and every book that we put out makes the game better not necessarily just bigger and more complex and and yeah. and getting there and i think that was thing like too is not creating this huge amount of rules that if somebody new to the game comes in it's like um, you know at some point it gets overwhelming like 40k right now 40k is that like how do you get a new person at 40k right there's a million different <laughs> yeah. armies that you can kind of pare well, some stuff down but what was really cool is they said with the the youth coming in you know the the millennial generation um how they're accessing dungeons and dragons is with the approach of video games so you know mass effect 3 is you know the new mass effect so that's got to be the greatest best mass effect because it's the newest um so they got away from even naming their books player's handbook one player's handbook two player's handbook three because they didn't want they want the core books to be the core the mm-hmm. building block that a new player comes in and buys and they talked about that video game culture even impacting their their naming um so very very cool um 
you know, just listening to them talk through the design process and how they how they draw up this stuff, the the white paper approach to yeah. the new Volo's Guide to Monsters. Um, they each got to present five monsters they want to introduce, uh, five they want to kill, and yep. one that they can <laughs> save. And they it was like a monster death match to see what made it into the book. <laughs> yeah, so really cool. So and so you can actually listen to that seminar. The guys from Games and BS po- podcast, uh, Sean and Brett, mm-hmm. um, really good podcast. Shout out to them. They did a great job. Um, and I was actually just listening to it on the way over here as for inspiration was they, they just put it out in the last day or two here, um, was a tape of that. So if you want to listen to it, you're able to, you can, uh, grab their podcast, listen to it. I would also recommend the rest of their podcast. If you do any role playing or anything else like that, they do a really good job. It's one of the best RPG podcasts out there right now. Um, and they recorded several of the, they recorded at Greenwoods, they recorded Monty Cooks. Um, it's really good stuff, but so I want to hear your my guess. Yes, your guess before we move on. So I, I they talked a lot about the tradition and where D and D has come from and the the tapestry, um, and they couldn't divulge any real information about what the next title is going to be. But they said it starts kind of open ended, kind of open world, and then focuses to that dungeon delve um, approach. I I think they're going to throw it back to White Plume Mountain. I think they're going to go back to, you know, what was that, S2? Um, old, you know, the classic fetch quest. You yeah, had like this environment. Tower of you Inverness. and Right, wasn't that, wasn't that White Plume Mountain, Tower of Inverness? and uh... I mean, your introduction, the Black Razor, the sword. I mean, you know, there's, there's some great history there, and I think with all the focus on that, um, that could be where they go as a, a, a reach back to the, the old. Yep. You know, as long lore. as the final boss is a halfling. <laughs> I'm okay with it. Um, so we'll see, but that's I, yeah. I, I think, think that we'll see a reimagining of one of those classic, classic. old. Um, yeah, I think that was the the hint was that it's going to be one of the again reimagining one of the real old ones again. Although it's interesting is they, and I don't know if this is more of the questions they get or was this a hint? Was they did talk a lot about other worlds like mm-hmm. from day uh, one space jammer. Wait, yeah. what? Yep. Spelljammer? Spelljammer? Yeah. yeah. yeah no. um, I'll quit D&D. <laughs> uh, but they've kind of said from day one, you know, it wasn't all about the Forgotten Realms, even though that's the one that yeah. they normally I put mean, in. I've asked Matt to start just putting a note card on Perkins's desk every day that says Dark Sun. Dark Sun? Well, <laughs> just my, every day. My, my guess would be if they don't do an ex- old, would it be a Greyhawk type? Would they go back to, or you know, if based, you're talking about based on the basic, way Ty started talking, that was what my first thought was. Was yeah, a, did a they Grey somehow figure thing. out how to pull Greyhawk into yeah. there somehow? Because that would be a classic. But I don't, it'd be a again with because it doesn't fit in the Forgotten Realms, so they would have to kind of figure out how to yeah do that in another yeah. I mean, every one of their books, they talk about how you can run them in a different setting, um, but they've really grabbed onto the realms as where to set it. So we'll mm-hmm. see. Um, it, great, great experience, though. I got to get my DM's guide signed by Merles and Crawford afterwards. I already had Perkins' signature, so um, very accessible guy. I saw him around the con a few other times, just walking around, taking it in. Um, but, man, it was it was a one of the better panels I've I've ever been to yep. at, a, uh, at a convention. One thing that I really liked about the entire convention was all the open gaming. So like the the main section 
kind of like you first walk in and there's that you know main area um just open gaming tables and then kind of next to the the hall was the Milwaukee Company of Gamers Milcog they had a, a big room probably 12 15 tables maybe 18 mm-hmm. tables um and then a huge game library where you could just check out games and uh we we played a bunch of them uh i i played brew crafters uh i think troy brought that um you guys played uh 1960 the making of the president which i think would be fun if they remade that they did Hillary, there's, there's Hillary an Obama versus McCain, so it Ooh. would transition to. They did, but I, nobody I, wants to relive this election cycle. Yeah, Hillary versus uh, no, Trump. No, no. You, no, you can't get the game mechanics to work right. <laughs> but they did. There's <laughs> another one, isn't there? Like a 1980 McCain Obama. Oh, or they did it, a 2008. They did 2008. Okay, okay. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, but I'm just to touch on that. That's an that was really really fun um, to kind of come out of the gate again. We went there and we were like. Because Ty and I were th- we were like, oh, we want a two player game, and we were kind of half joking with like Twilight Struggle, uh, and then the guy kind of threw out. He said, "Well, there is 1960 Megan President. That's kind of like it, but shorter." And we're like, "Oh yeah." And Ty had played it before, um, which helped in some of that. But um, which helped in my last minute landslide of yeah, taking the West. Barely, barely. <laughs> that was fun. I I mean, I had a blast. But again, I I hadn't played. You had played before. It, I, it was pretty. We ended up being pretty competitive. Yeah. I mean, you. I think there's one event card that won you that game. I really think the one that, that yeah. kind of crippled me at the end is what what gave you enough leverage to do it. But I mean, the uh, the fact that you took every one of my event cards and I never got to play any of that benefited. <laughs> that me. was true. <laughs> I did have uh, Joe Kennedy as a kidnapped. You, you held Joe, you, Joseph Kennedy hostage. Yep. And he showed it to me over his <laughs> card hand. And I was like, you son of a yeah. bitch. But I would highly, I mean, maybe sometime we should. I think we talked about it in the past a little bit in detail. But, um, yeah, really, really solid game. I really liked it. Yeah, very good. Very good. I think Grifters in the in the coup realm. Um, yep. Yeah, the, and it was a fun uh, game. It was uh, fitting that we played that at GameholeCon because two years ago when that was just a prototype, um, and pre kick pre first Kickstarter, um, Ty and I sat down with the designer and and got to play the original. I can't remember what it was called, "You Dirty Rat" or something yeah, like that, or yeah, something uh, uh, something like that. But the mechanics actually have, have kind of stuck pretty much for what the final version is. It's just they've really rethemed it a lot and and tweaked it a lot. And so, um, so I played a bunch. I don't know if you you guys can throw in and say how you guys liked it. Um, it's not not super super heavy, but it's kind of cool. Yeah, I like I like games where cards can either be some type of resource or some sort of action, um, and, and you have to kind of decide. I like that mechanic. I like that ability. So yeah, that it, it I mean, spoke to me. I liked it because I won. It was part of my Friday. <laughs> oh, your, your yeah, Friday, you went undefeated Friday. I won everything I played Friday. So yeah, you went five in the world or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Uh, and then we played uh, Tiny Epic Western. I, I, Ty, you hadn't played that yet. Yep, so correct? I get Ty's thoughts on it because yeah. we've talked about it already. I hadn't, right. hadn't played it. Um, I mean, I I like Euro games, and it was a um, pretty pretty solid Euro. I, I like how it has that worker placement element, the buildings, purchasing, resource management, similar to the other Tiny Epic. I mean, I had a feeling of Tiny Epic Kingdoms, 
um, in your three currency types and purchasing. Um, I like the poker mechanic for resolution. Um, Especially being a Western, you know, like yeah, that, yeah. that poker, yeah, that theme. Uh, I like the roll cards, you know, like mine, the duel, the gunman. You're basically, you want to duel, you want to interact with the player. Um, I, I'd play it again. I mean, it helped I won, you know, yeah. again. Uh-huh. Uh, so. Son of a bitch. <laughs> but, and so being a non-euro person i liked it i think because of where it breaks the euro thing right you can contest a spot right it's worker placement with you can contest them and battle them and then the poker mechanic gives you a random element about whether you're actually going to get the the thing that's there so it's again i think people who i think pure euro people would be driven insane right because they hate the random mechanic and mm-hmm. stuff like that so i think those two things kind of move it away from a, a pure euro and, and add a little bit more of, you know, I'm always about if you have a gun and there's blood in a the game, then I'm good, right? So. <laughs> and then I I just, I think I mentioned this last time, but the, the fact that the board looks like you're looking down a six shooter, you know, like the, there's six spots. Yeah, I mean, the, the bullet dice and yeah, the, the right. six, it's, six buildings. It's just kind of yeah, gamey and, and cool. I think Gamelin Games, I think they you can see how they've learned, I think as they've done each one of their tiny epic games, <laughs> They've kind of learned something. They've improved them, um, kind of stuff. I mean, Tiny Epic Kingdoms was good to start with, but I think you compare that now. I mean, Tiny Epic Galaxies and Tiny Epic Western, in my mind, are kind of a, Next know, a step above above yeah. those things, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, definitely. Um, I also spent a significant amount of time playing with Barry and Becky and Matt. Uh, we played Islebound, which is. Um, Red Raven Games, Ryan Lockie, the guy who did Above and Below, Mm -hmm. which a few of us have played. Mm -hmm. Um, And Islebound was his most recent game. I'm not sure if it released at Gen Con or close to Gen Con. Uh, But you're going port to port, and there's combat, there's influence. And the crew uh, that you can get for your ship all flipped over can be villagers for Above and Below. They have the stats (laughs) on both sides. But there's that activate rest mechanic where you can move them below deck or use them mm-hmm. to re-roll in combat. And you're building up victory points called Renown as you sail between the ports. Um, it was a lot of fun, a lot of player interaction, cool resource management game, and a very similar look. I mean, Ryan Lockie does everything. Mm-hmm. Rules, design, the art. Um, so another another really quality game from him. We had some fun with that. And then uh, we also, Jeremy joined us for a five-player Dead of Winter, um, which is just a classic. I hadn't played in a while. We were looking for a game that played five in the board game library, which is kind of overwhelming. Yeah. And Becky and Barry hadn't played Dead of Winter before, so they were interested. Wow. All right, cool. Um, and I sat and then, down like halfway through, and I was the uh, designated uh, Crossroads card hander uh, router because you always forget, yeah, right? Yeah. 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 So I, I was the uh, part handler. Partway through, I'm like, "Why is Matt doing this?" Like, but it wasn't overt betrayer behavior. Mm. It was just like, "This is not smart play." Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's we, for Matt. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we come to find out Matt was the betrayer. Uh, we <laughs> exiled him two player turns before game end. Uh, a little too late to reverse the course of his his damage to us. But then he he told us. <laughs> He didn't know that the betrayer card, because it says betrayal on it. Yep. 
He just thought that's what the secret objective cards looked like. So his objective was to get morale to zero and this and this. And I, I think he missed the part where I'm explaining the Jeremy and Barry and Becky because he was doing the mat thing, you know, yeah. where he circles around and social butterfly. And uh, But he, he didn't know fully he was the betrayer. Yeah. <laughs> Until you exiled him. Until we exiled him. Well, and he gets his mat. exile card, and then he calls me over because I wasn't playing. Um, he calls me over and he goes, hey, so... Uh, so I have this card, and um, and and so it says if you're the betrayer, then do X, Y, and Z. If you're not the betrayer, do you know A, B, and C? And he goes, okay, so I'm doing uh, the not the betrayer stuff. I'm like, well, hold on, you you need to be doing the betrayer stuff. And he's like, well, no, 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 I'm not the betrayer. See, look, and I'm like, see how it says betrayal at the yeah, bottom? Right. That kind of, and he goes. Oh shit! That's what that means. I'm like, oh man, man. It was really funny. Like it, he totally funny. get it after the fact, yeah. but it doesn't really spell out you are the betrayer. It just it, says betrayal. Yep. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I, I get thing, where he was coming from. Right. I mean, the only thing I've done when I've taught the game is to actually show show the card people before and I, because I, it, I it is subtle. I it is yeah. Not show a, yep. The other players match and match should wasn't paying attention because I was yeah. doing my teach action, you know, yeah. going through the the stuff, and Matt was away for a while and came back. <laughs> um, but yeah, so once again, great, you know, kill this guy, voting to kill somebody because we already had enough helpless survivors. Right. Just the classic cold yeah. ruthlessness that you see out of your friends when you play Dead of Winter. <laughs> One of these times, I'm going to time it right, and I'm going to be around when you guys play that because that still falls in the list of. Haven't played, want to. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, as soon as they have the... Well, we uh, have to play the new one. The yeah, because I've, I've, I've not... We haven't played oh, yeah, the, the longest, Long Night. The yeah. Long Night, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but then now they're working on another expansion that introduces multiple colonies. It's like a player oh. versus player element, like overt player versus yeah. player element. Interesting. Uh, that they had a, uh, a little prototype of the box at, at Gen Con. Um, yeah, so then... I'll I'll turn it over here because I feel like I'm talking far too much on this um, yeah. this podcast uh, to you guys that enjoy True Dungeon. Yeah. So Friday, I did a little True Dungeon with Mikey J, Mike Johnston. Um, I forget which one is, was which. Is he the the guitarist? Lead guitarist for Fadeback. Yeah, he's he's the guitarist for Fadeback. Do they, so they, do they do our intro? They do our intro music. So he's like a rock. You you true dungeoned with a rock star. I true dungeoned with a rock star. Oh, man, I'm so jealous. He's he's a pretty badass paladin in True Dungeon too. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, he brought his guitar and we we played through. <laughs> no. <laughs> He was the bard. He was the well. He was the bard slash paladin. So he was playing the guitar while he was sliding pucks. A weird multi class uh, choice. Totally crazy. Bardedin. Wait, the bardedin. Bardedin. Pallard. Fallen bard. <laughs> so yeah, no, we went through uh, the other dungeon, the one we didn't play uh, with the the big group. So um, yeah, no, it was a good time. Um, I happened to pull some really good treasure after that one as well so i'm pretty excited about that yeah josh is paying for a gen con trip when he sells mm-hmm. that token yeah like all of us all four of us yeah um no <laughs> but, but yeah no it was it was a really good pull i'm pretty excited so um and then the following day with um again mike johnston lead guitarist for fadeback 
and Marlon Hess is going to be we not did, the lead guitarist for Fadeback. Yeah, not affiliated with Fadeback at all. <laughs> um, we did a true grind, which is just like a you know attack, attack, attack. You're you're basically sl- shuffleboarding the whole time. Um, pretty good. I mean, I, I I'm not as into true grind as. No, I, I I'm not either because it's it's just solid combat and the mm-hmm. the upside of the regular runs is the the puzzles and and also the the regular true dungeon runs the the costuming and the prop making and everything that they do to create the creatures and to create it to really give you the immersion into it is awesome. That's yeah. uh, that's what makes it you know really so memorable. And true grind, all they have are the the combat boards with the monster pictures on there. And to an extent, I feel the uh, the, the gentleman that runs True Grind primarily really kind of embodies the sort of uh, I want to kill the party GM mindset <laughs> that you run into occasionally in role playing games. The way he does it, the way he he runs things through, I think he he really takes joy in killing people and killing the group. Which I get it. That event is a a pure combat event, but it, uh, it it takes a little bit of the fun out of it when you know when everything he looks for is the best way to to use the system against you and use the system against the group. I I thought about it a bit afterwards. This might have been my last true grind. You know, from a a true, from a true dungeon experience standpoint, I I, I just don't need to do it again. It, yeah, yeah. No, he 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 is active on the forums, and he'll kind of actively go against anything that gives the party better better power or better you know kind of a one up. Um, he he'll actively try to make sure that characters <laughs> are bumped down you know what i mean and uh no you know no fault of his like that's just kind of his mentality you know he wants to uh he wants to win as the gm is what he wants to do a little bit i I think he's worried about power creep a little bit too because if you just keep bumping up and bumping up then you know as as he should be because as a casual player and an observer when you don't do the true grind (laughs) whatever we did it on was so it was it was it was laughably easy, and I almost lost interest because of how easy it is. Yeah, we're we're gonna have to do nightmare next time, like for sure. Yeah, it's time it's time for our group to to take the the step from hardcore to to nightmare. I will say this though, from the the true grind experience, as the healer in the group, that was the first time I broke a sweat working in there, trying to move between everybody and keep everybody upright and uh, keep them in there. I mean, I I used all of my spells, I used all of all of the, the the bag of tricks that I brought, which wasn't the full one, it was the smaller con bag of tricks that I brought along, but uh, I used pretty much all of them in order to keep the group going. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, later that day, we did the larger group, um, which I think it went pretty well. Uh, we missed Troy being whatever you were last time. Were you the fighter or the ranger? The ranger, you ranger. were the ranger, yeah. that's right. Um, yeah, we had a, uh, uh, a gentleman join us that wanted to play Ranger, so he used your build, so, um, but yeah, I, I, I concur with Ty, it was a little 
easy mode ish. Uh, we probably a little. We, we probably should have bumped it up. We were <laughs> we're a little we're getting a little overgeared for. I, I think to be fair, me and the other wizard did more damage to ourselves than the whole party <laughs> took the rest of the run. <laughs> That's probably like, true. Yeah. And the puzzles we were solving with, granted, some people had done it, but they weren't helping to the point that yeah we were solving those like yeah there was a few puzzles that were pretty every every room we had five minutes to just hang out and small talk with the the gm (laughs) in that room yeah it seemed like that and again this at the smaller con it's a it's a redo of old rooms right they they don't put together it's not the it's not the gen con new hot dungeons that they created it's a redo and it definitely the the puzzle rooms there was only the one that kind of had a stumped, you know, at the beginning of it, the the very first one that we did. The other puzzles weren't yeah. particularly challenging in any way, shape, or form that they chose to put into into that dungeon. They had the two storylines that you, you could run through. And and again, and we've talked about this a little bit uh, off uh, off microphone that the combats are yeah, at the the level we play at, the combats are are pretty simplistic. We need to to up that and and put our challenge level at the next at the next step, I think. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then we, you know, cashed in our our lottery ticket at the end, and and yeah. I don't think anybody pulled anything good in our in our last group. And that's uh, yeah, I made that reference when we were there that night. That true dungeons become buying a lottery ticket for me. I'm doing mm-hmm. it in hopes I draw <laughs> something that's worth hundreds of dollars yeah. at the end. Um. So we'll see how long I I keep doing it because it's. It's losing its uh, luster for me. Yeah, well, I've only done it once, so I'm still in for a couple more for sure. But I think that's where I'm, I do it rare enough, and you guys kid us out enough. I thank you for that. Yeah, um, that I had you know fun, and it's not like Mandy still t- still talks about um, when she got to do that run with you guys at Gen Con. It was fun because we I was with her on Saturday and mentioned that you guys were doing that and whatever, and so nice. It's funny. Like what what would make it or break it for me? Like true dungeon right now, I'm I'm tired of the shuffleboard. I'm tired of the memorization tricks. Um, I'd like some interaction with a room, like somebody to talk to, something you know, to to figure out a riddle in a way that it's not move this piece, do this point here. I don't know. It's just maybe we should start doing the puzzle challenges then. Because I mean be- that that like I'm talking like there have been some very good characters like actors in the room where you interact with and that's what makes it fun for me like sure talking to the enemy or talking to the like the drow on the yeah one from Gen yeah, the yeah. One, yeah that yeah like, she, i mean that with that's been my experience right and that was like she made it like it was really cool yeah have, yeah have that draw around all the time and she did an excellent job right of yep. adding something to it yeah that was really neat uh, and then, uh, so they had little stuffed bullets, the, you know, the, uh, fantasy creature. Yeah. I mean like a land shark. Land shark. Uh, <laughs> my son calls it, uh, 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 what does he call it? A dino, uh, a crocodino. That's what he called it. So it kind of looks like a crocodile and it kind of looks like a dinosaur. So he calls it a crocodino. But anyway. Um, but yeah, we were playing bullet football then in the LARP area. Yeah, I mean, after two dungeons, Brett, Brett Favre and Donald Driver connected on a number of touchdown passes. Mm-hmm. It was pretty sweet. 
We were running routes. We were doing fake handoffs. You could really spiral that thing, too. Yeah. yeah it was yeah. good. Touch passing in full effect. Mm-hmm. It's good times. Yeah, well, we were trying to, like, figure out what we were going to do if we were all just going to So that was, the bullet was the, like, is it John? What's John Koblick. Koblick, yeah, right? Created, that's the, the plushie game hole con, game yeah, hole. exclusive plushie. Yeah, yeah Blaster is the cool. owlbear. The owlbear that. that my daughter has that she still, that's how she knows owlbears. I kind of want them to do a mind flare next year. Yeah, it'll be interesting be to see cool. what they do. Yeah. <laughs> or a plushie beholder. That'd be pretty fun. Well, and the proceeds go to some charity, charity. right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, that's the other thing. Gamehole Con has uh, a charity that they a lot goes towards. So that's awesome. Yep. Um, yeah. And the Friday, uh, when the three of us were driving back, um, we decided to stop at Delafield Brew House, and we had a reserved table, which was really nice. <laughs> your uh, your Gen Con hotbox experience. You know how the the rage you get. Mm-hmm. When I even mention that right I now. I don't even want to talk about it. Yeah. So Delafield Brewhouse is beer. <laughs> yeah. I'm very, like, raged. Edge. Though it tasted like just nasty beer tap line. I think we're going to Water Street Brewery next time. Yeah. 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 I'm never going to Delafield Brewhouse ever again. They're yeah. on my, like, forbidden list. They have really good brunch. Delafield Brewhouse does? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah, well, if you I won't ever beer, know. Yeah, I won't know. I'll never know. <laughs> oh, no. It's kind of like me and Scotty's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. Awesome. Um, if I any think... of our listeners, you know, happen to decide to go to the Delfield Brew House, turn around. Don't. Don't go. Don't go. Yeah, we had a, a, a sign that said reserved on our table when we sat down. And that coffee that got added to our bill. Yeah, what, what was that? <laughs> Like it's it's like nine thirty at night, and the lady asked us if we wanted coffee. And we're like, no, yeah. and she's like, oh, all right, I'll bring your bill. And she sets it down, and we're like, what's wait, why is there a random coffee? I, I mean, mean, it was a buck eighty or something, but we were like, uh, we didn't order a it's coffee. It's the principal. Yeah, right. Again, like me and Scotty's. Yeah, right. <laughs> Fuck them. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to add that. I'll take it out. Um, but anyway, yeah. So that was our. Friday, Saturday. Yeah, GameholeCon ran Sunday. None of us went, but they did have another full day of events and uh, open gaming. And and, and I had a badge for yeah, all yeah. three days. Yeah, me if, too. If the BOD doesn't attend a con, does it really happen? Mm. Ooh. Ooh. It's like that tree falling in the woods. Something like that. It's like the Pope shitting is he a bear, right? <laughs> yes. I don't think <laughs> right. in the woods. That's the way it goes. It's not the, no. It's, I don't think that. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, Sunday... Uh, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Another kind of gaming was going on. The football variety? Yeah. Poorly. Yeah. yeah. I had a blast though. Tom and I went to Lambeau. It was fun. There were three squirrel delays. Nice. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. That's good. I was there for the squirrel. The epic squirrel of Lambeau. (laughs) Uh, Otherwise, though, we've got... uh, Who's going to LVO? Troy, are you going? You and Ben? Undecided. 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 We may may pull it. Yeah. Good question. First week of February. Can I sleep on the hotel room floor if I last yeah. minute buy a ticket sure. and if, head out? Yeah, I need to make a plan. Okay. I think what I really like to do is bring John out there because he's been kind of shafted on cons lately. So yeah, we'll see. You know, there's not a digital pass though for uh, LVO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'd actually have to get on a plane mm-hmm. and go there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he may be hesitant to do that. Yes, there <laughs> yeah, right. that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, and then Adepticon's right around the corner. 
Uh, event list is a pre- preliminary event list is out. If yep. you want to take a look, registrations see, in a week and um, a half, something like that. Yep. Um, I think it'll be yeah, it should be before Thanksgiving. I yeah, think, November twenty first. Like I think like that. So yeah, four BOD Space Hulk events are out there. Ton a million events. Um, super excited that the GW crew Warhammer community is going to be yeah, there. GW like, community team. Cool. We get to see Duncan oh, in the flesh, it's telling good. us to thin your paint. Thin your, <laughs> thin twist, your paint. twist your brush. Twist your brush. Twist your brush. And thin your paint. <laughs> this could be amazing. This could be amazing. Could be. Will oh, be. It will be amazing. Adapticon. It's amaze. Amaze. Can't wait. Uh, and then just you know, before you know it. The fiftieth anniversary of Gen Con badges go on sale about two months from now. Yeah, mm-hmm. who wrote who wrote this? Um, don't fuck us on hotels. <laughs> I believe that. I believe that was you. Oh, oh yeah. Don't yeah. fuck us on hotels, Gen Con. Yeah, I mean Josh did tease me on the drive back from Game Hall that he's interested in going to Origins. That's true. You teased me hard. I did, I did tease you, you. That's right. You gave me just a taste, and I was like. Mm. <laughs> To be fair, what I said was, mm. I have a coworker that's trying to get me to go to Origins, mm. and Ty took that to mean I'm going to Origins. Mm. We made plans. <laughs> we <did. laughs> yeah. uh, that's really funny. Well, this is uh, this has been an, uh, a pretty good podcast, I think. If I do say yeah, so myself, mediocre, mediocre. Yeah, but I'm, I'm okay with mediocrity. Okay. Yeah, I strive for it. Marlon strives for it. We should uh, we should try next time though to make our podcast great again. <laughs> <laughs> a political joke. Mm. Well, it's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. Thanks, guys. But I wanted to talk about WoW. Why would you want to talk about WoW? <laughs> I did buy the expansion. Mm. Played it you for a month. You and John can have a podcast. About oh, and Tom. Tommy went on a raid last night. Played Let's it for see. a month and then shut off my credit card. <laughs> see, there we go. Tom and Marlon and John can have a WoW podcast. It's super gross. Really? Pass. Really? Yeah, I'm, I'm clean now. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs>